call to worship is taken from Matthew 1, beginning in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. If you're able, would you rise now as we sing hymn 313, Angels from the Realms of Glory. be seated. 
as you are in your bulletin, you'll find a corporate prayer of confession. Let's offer that up now to the God we've come to worship. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment for our offense. So we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us and renew us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Let's take a moment to silently confess our sins as well. to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us praise our gracious God. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, we come this morning to praise and worship you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who's coming to dwell among us, we celebrate this morning. It is, Father, the greatest gift of all eternity. And we have nothing to offer in return for this, for the salvation that he brought for our redemption, for our, his reconciling us to you. But what we do have, our hearts, our minds, our talents, and our treasure, we do dedicate to you. We offer them to you this morning and ask that you will be pleased to accept them for the furthering of your kingdom and for your glory. And now please offer with me the prayer our son taught, your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Unison scripture reading this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah in chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Indeed, Isaiah is often referred to as the fifth gospel. 
And that is because he has many and very detailed prophecies there concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Our reading today will come from one of those prophecies. A little bit of context here. Chapter 8 ends on a pretty gloomy note because it's Isaiah prophesying that because of Israel's rebellion and sin against the Lord, they will be carried into captivity and that this will happen shortly. And so 8 ends on kind of a gloomy note. In 9, he offers hope. He gives a prophecy here of hope to come that this that the punishment for the rebellion would not last forever, if you will. Obviously, Israel's sin is, is the type or, or a vision, if you will, of our sin and rebellion against the Lord. And this offers us hope, too, that there will be a way for our rebellion to be made right with God. And he proceeds to do this in chapter 9, the first seven verses. Verse 1 describes the anguish of Israel, particularly the northern kingdoms, because he's describing the, king, the tribes of Israel in the northern kingdom that settled around the Galilee, around the lake. These would be the first country to experience the invasion, because the invasion comes from the north, right? These are the Assyrians, Assyrians are the Babylonians, they come from the north and sweep down through Israel. So they will be first to experience this, this invasion and this oppression. And it references here, and, and this darkness, and this references here that a great light will break out among these people. And the prophecy here is obviously Christ. He begins his ministry, public ministry, in Galilee, in this area. And so they will first see the Messiah. In verse 2, Isaiah announces great hope and joy, that great light. In verses 4 through seven, he will introduce that joy. Now he will do this three times beginning with the word for, so he will describe this three times. He begins with, your oppression is lifted. In verse five, he talks about the implements of war and oppression being burned with fire. And then in verse six, he describes the birth of a son. Now in, in Old Testament Israel, the birth of, of a son was a joyous event, right? Because Sons helped you work the land. Sons helped you do the harvest. Sons would protect you in the gate and sit in the gate and, and help you in those areas. And this was a great blessing. This is obviously an even greater blessing to us because as we'll see in the subsequent verses, this son is Jesus Christ. He then goes on to describe what he will do. He will govern. He will rule. He will be a wonderful counselor, meaning he will be full of wisdom, which I think is an implication, frankly, for God's omniscience. He will have all wisdom and knowledge because in the next line, he is God Almighty. He is omnipotent. The Father has given him all power. Everlasting Father. In this sense, Father is taken not so much as the Father, but as a benevolent father, somebody, a benevolent protector who would take care of his people, which we certainly see him doing here. And then he is the Prince of Peace. Peace here is shalom in Hebrew, and it certainly implies the absence of conflict, the absence of conflict with God or of conflict with each other, but it has a much deeper, fuller meaning to it in the Hebrew. 
it implies or means that things are whole, that things are the way they were meant to be, which is saying that we will be in relationship with God again the way he meant it to be when he created the heavens and the earth. Things will be whole, they will be complete, and relationships will be perfect between man and man and between man and God, and it will be restored that way. And then finally, it says everlasting father, and then his kingdom is forever. This is eternity being talked about here. God existed before time. He will exist after time. He exists throughout all of time. And the last verse, I think, is, is powerful. And who will accomplish this? The Lord in his zeal will do this. In his covenant love and mercy and grace, he will accomplish these things. Notice, we don't do anything to do this, either to deserve it, to earn it, or to accomplish it. The Lord will do this. It's all of him, and it's all of his grace. If you are able, would you please stand out of respect for God's word and join me in reading this portion of Holy Scripture. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the days of Midian. For every root of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be
singing always it is that hallelujah and uh, what a beautiful beautiful thought beautifully sung thank you all for giving us that experience together would you pray with me our heavenly father we come before you singing our hallelujahs with joy in our hearts especially this morning as we remember and celebrate that day so long ago 
and the angels wing their flight o'er all the earth and proclaim the good news of the birth of the Messiah. May we, like the shepherds, hasten to the manger and find there our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you this day with, with irrepressible delight. For in Christ Jesus, all your promises find their yes and amen. For it is in Christ that our debt is paid and our bondage to sin is broken. It is in his victory over death that we have eternal life. Ultimately, in Christ Jesus, our fears are removed, our tears are wiped away, and all things are made right. As we wait for that day, help us to focus on it, and even more so on you, rather than focusing on those things which threaten to harass us, inflicting worries and very real pain upon us. Bring relief, even now, if it should be your will, and should it not be, then give us perseverance and wisdom to endure and to learn. Be with us, especially those for whom Christmas season is a season of hardship. May they know especially that Christmas is for them. For at Christmas we have the promise of broken things made whole, of dead things made alive, of spoiled things made anew, and of inexplicable joy arising from the most unexpected of places. May it be so for those who are hurting. And cause us all to truly believe that even when we cannot see it, even when we cannot comprehend it, even in this broken and fallen world where so much is so very wrong, you are presently working out all things for your glory and for our good. Give us faith to believe this and grow our faith, even as that little baby grew into the man who would one day bear our sins and make us right with you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may remain seated now as we sing together hymn 317, What Child Is This?
sermon text today is that classic Christmas passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you are able, please stand now out of respect for God's word as I read it to you. This is the inspired word of God. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, these shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known that saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word, our only infallible rule for faith and practice. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. You may be seated. Would you pray once more with me? Our Lord God, we, we just pray that you would give us eyes of faith today, eyes that can see Jesus, the word made flesh, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. May we see him for who he is, and may it change us forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a question for you, and seeing as you are here right now, I'm going to guess that you guys can get the answer right. Here's my question. What's Christmas all about? What's Christmas all about? Some people would tell you, well, it's about love and family. Okay? Other people say, well, well, it's about gifts and celebration. Okay? Some others would say, well, trees and lights and decorations and festivity. Okay? Largely in our culture, it's become about commercialization, hasn't it? I, I mean, this year, as early as October, I was already seeing commercials for Christmas, and, and the stores were already putting up their Christmas displays, and it was still two months away. That, that was, after all, what Charlie Brown lamented all those years ago, wasn't it? The, he, he lamented the commercialization of Christmas, and, and he exclaimed, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And of course, his pal Linus famously answered him 
He quoted part of our sermon text today from Luke 2, didn't he? That's what he did. He, he, he quoted this sermon text and he said, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's about the fact that Jesus was born. Linus was absolutely right. At the end of the day, amongst all the other distractions and joys and concerns and busyness, everything else that, that threatens to encroach upon this day, Christmas is about the fact that Jesus was born. And the fact that Jesus was born changes everything. You see, you might, you might say, so what? People are born all the time. Uh, I, I looked it up. I guess in the history of the world, there have been over uh, 100 billion people born in the history of, of the world. This, this year, apparently, over 140 million just this year alone. People are born all the time. What's the big deal that Jesus was born? Why does that change everything? Why was it so special? What does it accomplish? Well, when Jesus was born, it changes everything because with his birth, our hearts are changed. With his birth, our priorities are changed. And with his birth, our very lives are changed. We're going to look at those three quickly this morning. First, with his birth, our hearts are changed. And we, we need to realize that, that when this passage by Luke begins to talk about the birth of Jesus, it, it seems very ordinary at first, doesn't it? I, I mean, there's, there's nothing all that special about the birth. There's nothing actually said about the birth at all. We don't get uh, the, the height and the weight of the baby. We don't get uh, how long the labor was, whether it was a hard labor or an easy labor. It, it, none of that stuff is included. It's just he was born. Very uneventful, it would seem. It seems very normal. It seems that it was a very normal night in the same region. Verse 8 tells us there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. That was a very normal thing to have happen. But then something very abnormal happens in verse 9, doesn't it? The angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. The, the phrase for great fear, the Greek, I kind of like this, uh, the, the word for fear is phobon. We get our word phobia from it, right? And great is megon, or mega, right? So they basically, they, they, they were filled with mega fear, right? It's kind of the idea. And, and I, I just love the way that that kind of pull, pulls out like the essence of it. They had a mega fear, right? And, and you can understand why, right? Because if, if something shows up that you don't expect, like let's say you're walking down the hall and you come around the corner and somebody else comes around the other corner and you didn't see them coming, you're about to bump it. Oh, it startles you, right? So when something shows up unexpectedly, it startles you. But then, but then on top of that, when there's something that's kind of inexplicable, like, you know, well, well, wait, I, I put that down right there, and now all of a sudden it's over there, and I, I, I can't explain how that happened. What? It's kind of scary. I'm kind of fearful about that. But then on top of that, consider the fact that not only was this something that was unexpected, not only was this something that is inexplicable, but the glory of the Lord is beheld before them. The glory of the Lord. They, they're overwhelmed and they are filled with mega fear at this point. And it's quite understandable. Now, I don't know about you, 
I haven't had a whole lot of angels appearing before me. But there are lots of other things in life that, that I do fear sometimes. And I'm sure you have lots of fears as well. Right? We, we fear hardships in life. Right? We just fear all kinds of things that are going to be difficult. Whether that's illness or, or uh, financial hardship or, or relational hardships. We, we fear all kinds of hardships that might come our way. We fear certainly often we fear death, don't we? We, we fear the, the unknown behind it. We, we, we don't know what that's going to, even if we have a, a confidence that we will go to be with the Lord afterwards, we, we kind of just fear that process, right? I think it was Woody Allen who once said, I'm not afraid of death, I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? And I think that we, we kind of have that mindset sometimes. Even if we are confident, there's a fear that might be there. And certainly I think some people fear judgment, right? They, they know, as is the case with all of us, that they've fallen short that they've not lived up to the holy standard that God requires of all people. And they think that they are going to be found wanting in the judgment. Well, here's the good news of Christmas. The good news of Christmas is that we need never fear these things again. It's not that we'll never experience any of these things, because surely we still will, but the fact is that no longer need we fear them because Christ was born on Christmas Day and he has defeated all of them, each and every one of them, so we can find uh, the, the message of the angel to be one of comfort for us, even as the shepherds did. When the angel said in verse 10, fear not. Right? Remember I was talking about Linus and Charlie Brown just a, a moment ago. Uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, it's, it's one of my personal favorites. But the, there's the great thing that, that a lot of people don't notice when Linus is giving this speech where he refers to or, or, or recites this passage from Luke 2. And he gets to this point in, in verse 10, and the angel said, fear not. And, and if you know anything about the Peanuts gang, you know that, that Linus has his little blue blanket that he takes everywhere with him. It's his security blanket because without it he is fearful. It brings security to him. But as he is reciting this passage, you might not have seen this, perhaps you have noticed it, but he, as he says, fear not, he drops his blanket. It's a nice little touch that Charles Schultz added in there, just kind of a, a, an understated thing. Fear not, he drops the blanket. The blanket that, that brought him security, he drops it because he doesn't need it, because he's no longer fearful. And we too can drop our great mega fears and replace them with joy. You see, that's, that's what happens with this change. Our, our, our mega fears are turned to a mega joy. Right? The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Yes, again, the mega shows up there. Great joy that will be for all the people. Well, what is so good about this news that it, that it brings this transition, this change from fear to joy? Well, it had been over 4,000 years since the garden where, where the promise had been made that the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the offspring of the serpent. It had been over 2,000 years since 
Abraham had received the promise of God that all the families of the earth would be blessed through his offspring. It it had been over a thousand years since a promise had been made to David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne and reign forever. It had been over 700 years since Micah's prophecy that this great king would arise from Bethlehem. It had been over 400 years since the prophets had spoken at all. The voice of God had seemingly been silenced. All of these centuries had passed. All of these years had gone by. But then the angels said, after all of these centuries, after all of these millennia, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Millennia gone by, waiting, longing, hoping, needing, And the answers to all of those hopes and all of those fears was found that day in Christ Jesus, the Savior. What a gloriously wonderful promise fulfilled. It's almost too good to be true. right? Have you ever had a promise or or a proclamation or something said to you? You're just like, wow, that just seems too good to be true. And and, and you're like, well, well, you'll have to show me something, right? I'm... I'm from Missouri. I'm from the show me state, right? You know, show me. Prove it to me. That's exactly what the angels do here. They say, and this will be a sign for you, right? I'll give you a sign to prove I'm doing it. If, if you're giving somebody directions and you point them to a sign, you know, you have, to, you have to make it something extraordinary, right? You can't say, okay, drive down the street, go a few blocks, and then there's going to be a tree kind of near the road, and you turn at that tree, and and then there's a yard with some grass in it, and you know you turn by that, and well, that's, wait, there's lots of trees and there's lots of grass and lots of yards, right? You, you need something extraordinary. You, know, you say, well, you drive down the street, and when you see the pink house with the orange polka dots, right? That that's where you turn, and then then there's going to be a yard that's got a big clown running around in the front yard, and you'll turn, you know, something extraordinary, something different, something odd. And so what, what, what are the directions that they give them? Here's what the sign will be. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And they say, well, wait a second. That's, that's perfectly normal. There's nothing odd about that whatsoever. How will that be a help? Oh, and he's lying in a manger. A manger? Wait a second. That's, that's odd. Exactly. You'll know you're at the right place when you show up. There might not be a pink polka-dotted house, right? But but there's going to be a baby in a manger. And you'll know at that point that this is something to see. Right? It's not very glorious. I mean, the the God of the universe condescends to take on human flesh, is wrapped so tightly in swaddling cloths that he can't even move, and he's placed in an animal's feeding trough. What humility. They behold it. And they can know that what the angels are saying is true. And suddenly we read in verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. To to our eyes or even to the shepherd's eyes that day, it doesn't look very glorious, this baby just sitting in a feeding trough. But to the angel's eyes, it is glory of all glories. They, They say, 
this is the most glorious thing you will ever behold. And, and our eyes see the outward circumstances, but the angels' eyes, the eyes of heaven, look deeper and they see what we cannot behold. And they realize the very real truth that there is now reason for great joy. And once we come to grips with this, even though our eyes might not see it naturally, through faith our eyes can see this truth. And once they do, our priorities are changed. Right? Look, look what happens with the shepherds. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Right? They didn't say, well, hey, let's call in for backups to take a look at the keep after the sheep here, right? And we'll, once they get here, once we get done with our shift, right, you know, then, then we can head out, you know, or, or they, they didn't say, well, you know, how about, how about you go and the rest of us will stay here and we'll, you can investigate. No, this was a drop everything and go do it type of thing. Their priorities were changed. They said, let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened. And, and, and I like that phrase there. It says, this thing that has happened. This isn't just uh, some, some religious idea. This isn't just some, some thought or some fable or some story. This is something that has happened. It is history. Luke, we're told at the very beginning of his book, uh, the Gospel of Luke, he says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Right? He's saying, this is history. I've investigated. I've looked into it. These are actual things that actually happened. There actually was a baby in a manger who is Christ the Lord, the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was placed there. And this truth was made known to them, well, you say, by the angels, right? Yes, but see how they say it, which the Lord has made known to us. The angels were speaking on behalf of God. They were taking the message of God to them. They were saying the word of God. These ordinary people, the shepherds, were doing their job, living life, doing the, living their ordinary existence when they encountered the very word of God. Right? The word of God spoken to them, and then ultimately, <laughs> the word of God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? Because, you see, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Right? They saw Jesus. And when you see Jesus, it changes you. It changes you. It, it makes things different. And so I want to ask you this today. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Of course, you say, well, Pete, that was 2,000 years ago. How can I? But again, by faith, encountering him in his word, in God's word, looking into the word of God. Have you seen Jesus? If not, go with haste and see Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. We're looking into God's word and we're seeing Jesus, the one who lived and died for you. Right? If, if you go with haste, you will, like them, find Jesus You'll find him there, veiled in flesh, 
the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Find Jesus. God with us. The heaven born prince of peace. The son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. What wonderful truth. It's an incredible story, almost unbelievable. I mean, wait, uh, you know, a virgin conceived? God took up residence in her womb? Thousands of years of, of promises and anticipation were fulfilled on that one night. All of these miracles, incredible though they may be, pale in comparison to a greater miracle. The miracle that I, one infinitely separated from God because of my sin, might be forgiven by God, might be reconciled to God, might be loved by God. And so can you. What an amazing sight to behold. Though we can't jump into a time machine and go back there, we behold these things by faith. And that's what Peter was saying. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And our very lives are changed. Our lives are changed. Such a joy that we've experienced needs to be shared with others. And that's one of the first changes we see in our lives is, is we want to share this joy with others. That's what, what the shepherds wanted to do. Verse 17, they saw it. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They, they made known what they had received from the Lord, the word of God. They shared it with others and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. And we need to share God's truth that, that God has revealed with us in his word to others as well. And we need to do that through, through evangelism. Yes, we, we need to take the word to people who, who need to hear it, people who haven't heard it yet, people who, who do not know of the truth. But at the same time, we need to take it to one another as well. For the gospel is not something we outgrow, right? I remember when I was a little child, I got, I got this football jersey one year, and I loved it, and it was so wonderful. The problem is, within a year or two, I had outgrown it. I couldn't wear it anymore, and it was done. But the gospel, we never outgrow. We never outgrow it. We simply go deeper and deeper and deeper into the gospel, and it becomes more, more treasured and more wonderful. And Mary treasured these things, pondering them in her heart. She treasured the good news. And the shepherds, we are told, return, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They worshipped, right? We, we share the good news with others and with one another, and we worship the one who has done this for us. We worship God Almighty. There's no better time to do that than Christmas Day. This day. Let us, this day and every day, 
come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we, we thank you that you have so graciously and so wonderfully blessed us. We thank you that we have in Christ Jesus a Savior, a Messiah, a Lord, God with us. May we always rejoice. May we always remember. May we always be excited to share the truth that you have shared with us. And may we always worship you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able now, would you rise with me and sing hymn 318, Angels We Have Heard on High. peace to you and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.